Hi, and welcome to Faith in Family Law, the podcast about family law issues which are important to you. As ever, I'm your host, Sadiq Patel, family law partner at Gunner Cook LLP. And that's right, you've guessed it, I specialise in family law, with a particular niche in Islamic family law. I help people who are going through what is likely to be, and what is statistically proven to be, the second most stressful thing a person can ever go through in their lives after the death of a loved one, which is separation and divorce. As well as specialising in all the legal and financial issues arising out of divorce and separation, I also advise on all issues relating to contact with children, international divorce, and of course, Islamic family law. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast, which is called Talaq, Khula, Fusk and Tafweed, The Different Methods of Islamic Separation, Part 2. In the last podcast, I briefly mentioned the four main methods of separation in Islam. And they are, number one, the granting of divorce by the husband, known as talaq. Number two, separation by way of consent between the parties, which is known as khula. Number three, dissolution of the marriage by a sharia court or sharia council, known as fuskanika or tafriq. And number four, when the power of talaq is transferred from the husband to the wife, which is known as tafweed talaq. Now in this podcast, I focus on the first type of separation mentioned, which is the most well-known out of the four. A lot of uh, listeners will have heard the word talaq many times before, and especially if you're listening to this podcast for this reason or heard previous podcasts, you'll be well aware of this term. Now talaq is the unilateral right of the man to divorce his wife. So it's the unilateral right of the husband to divorce the wife. He can do this either verbally or in writing. That much is common knowledge. What isn't, however, is that there are actually three different types of talaq. Now this is important because the type of talaq pronounced by the husband affects the type of separation that ensues and also then affects the methods of reconciliation to be adopted by the parties if reconciliation does indeed happen. I think it would be prudent to also mention at this point that whilst Islam has not made divorce a sin and has kept the door open for both men and women to end their marriages, divorce as a whole is the least liked out of all the halal, uh, which, is, which means permissible acts in Islam. Indeed, a saying of the great Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, confirms that talaq shakes the throne of God. Now, this is to emphasise to Muslims the gravity of marital breakup and how much thought and consideration the parties should give to try to save their marriage before embarking upon the process of separation. It'd be fair to say that this teaching, that of the unity of the family, and of maintaining ties of kinship is one of the most central yet most overlooked teachings of Islam. The Quran is very clear on many occasions of the need to preserve these ties, even directing at one verse how reconciliation should be approached to try to bring two estranged parties. And this isn't just limited to divorce parties, uh, to, to, to couples who are divorced. So it's it's a central plank of Islam, the, the unity of the family and maintaining ties of kinship. However, I must stress at this point that any attempts at reconciliation 
in a marriage, in a husband-wife relationship, are only advocated from an Islamic point of view as long as both parties are consenting. To force a married couple to stay together, or indeed to force a marriage in the first place, is against the teachings of Islam. And quite often this is where culture is often mistaken for religion. And anybody will tell you that not only is it against Islamic teaching, but it's also against the law. You cannot force people to get together if, for example, we you know that by advocating reconciliation, you may be putting a victim of abuse in at further risk. So now I think I'm going to run through a brief exposition, a brief summary of the different types of talaq and the process for each. Because this podcast is meant to provide you, dear listener, <laughs> with an insight into the practical side of how talaq is given and its consequences. And as ever, if you have any confusion or any questions arising out of uh, this podcast and anything that you've heard, please feel free to drop me a line. I'll give further details on how to contact me at the end of the podcast. So, the three different types of talaq, what are they? Number one is called talaq raji R-A-J-I, which is a type of revocable divorce. Number two, the Arabic is talaq ba'in, B-A-I-N, and that is irrevocable divorce. And number three, talaq mughallada, uh, which is the irrevocable divorce after which there is no reconciliation. So, focusing first on talaq raji which is revocable divorce. This type of talaq falls when the talaq is given by the husband and he either uses or says the word talaq once or twice. He can do this in writing as well and it's important to note that the word of talaq need only be uttered so he only has to say the word by the husband for it to be effective. Now, as lawyers, we are trained to confirm things in writing uh, for obvious reasons. And so from a personal point of view, but also as part of legal advice I give to clients when issues like this come up, I take the view that if a husband gives talaq, it is infinitely better that it is done so in written form so that there's a record of it. This can be beneficial for everybody, especially when people want to remarry and their prospective spouses or families want to see proof of the previous Islamic divorce. So it makes common sense. And the keen-eyed amongst you, or the keen-eared amongst you, will also be thinking of a particular verse from the Holy Quran, which advocates and enjoins upon Muslims to record all of their business transactions or, or their any type of transaction in writing. So what greater transaction or can there be a more important transaction in the personal and social lives of Muslims than, where, than, the, transa than the, uh, uh, the occasion of marriage or, an, or divorce. So getting it in writing, what type of talaq it is, when it was said, the date, the time, all of that is extremely important. Now talaq raji is a revocable form of talaq. It is revocable because if after pronouncement the couple wish to reconcile, they can do so as long as reconciliation occurs before the expiration of what is known as the idda period or the waiting or cooling off period. 
Now, traditionally, idda is a requirement so that the couple can think about what has happened. And for them to give some thought and for, them to, for there to be time for reconciliation before the talaq is made final. I always compare this to the six-week period between decree naisai and decree absolute in the English uh, matrimonial procedure, which again was traditionally seen as a cooling off period before it was made into a procedural requirement for the purposes of matrimonial law in England and Wales. For me, it's one of the many similarities between Islamic and English family law procedure. The Iddah period is itself three menstrual cycles and begins on the date of the pronouncement of the talaq, or if it's written, then the date recorded on the certificate or the piece of paper which records the talaq being pronounced. If reconciliation doesn't occur before the expiration of the Iddah, so after, if it doesn't occur before the conclusion of the three menstrual cycles, the talaq raji the revocable talaq, is made irrevocable and is classed as a talaq bain, which we'll discuss after this. Incidentally, should a couple wish to reconcile after the expiration of the Iddah period, then they simply have to perform the Islamic nikah, the wedding ceremony again, and they will be classed as man and wife again from an Islamic perspective. So moving on to talaq bain, which is the irrevocable divorce, which is the second type of divorce, second type of talaq. Now, this type of talaq falls when the husband utters the words, I give you talaq ibain, or the words that are uttered in giving divorce are actually unclear. It also occurs if the separation is by way of khula, or the marriage has been dissolved by a Sharia council, which we'll discuss later on. So, uh, Sharia council is the body or a panel of scholars or uh, appropriately qualified uh, Muslims who may decide that a marriage is dissolved or should be dissolved, which is the norm in non-Muslim countries. And in Muslim countries, the wife would simply make an application to the Sharia court. Finally, a talaq raji converts into a talaq as I mentioned before. So if you have a talaq raji and, uh, and the idda period expires and the couple don't reconcile, then that raji converts into a ba'in and the revocable divorce is made into an irrevocable divorce. The effect of talaq ba'in is that the marriage comes to an immediate end once it's pronounced. It's not like a raji'i, for, for instance, where a cooling off period is initiated. The couple can, however, remarry any time during or after the idda by simply performing the nikah ceremony again. So I'm conscious we've gone through a lot already um, and I'm trying to keep things as simple and as lucid as possible. I'm trying to speak as slowly as possible as well. But feel free to come back to me with any questions, if at all. This podcast, this particular format of podcast I've, I've created is simply meant to give instruction and information. Now, moving on to the third and final type of talaq, it is called talaq emughallada or serious irrevocable divorce. This is the most controversial and also the most misunderstood method of talaq, I feel. Uh, and it's also rep uh, referred to sometimes as the method of giving triple talaq. Now, from the outset, uh, I've got to uh, say at this point that 
there is vastly differing and sometimes heated Islamic jurisprudential opinion as to what constitutes talaqim ghallada. Now that's due to the differing opinions in the four main schools of thought, the former dhahib in Islamic jurisprudence. And without wishing to spend too much time on this, most Muslims will know, and it is correct, that the four main schools of thought in Islamic jurisprudence are not seen as a point of conflict, but as a point of debate, and a continuing example of the diversity of opinion in Islamic jurisprudence. The schools of thought are important for meaning consistency of action and belief in the day-to-day -day practice of a Muslim and can be viewed as a codification of the laws of Islam. And this has been carried out by the greatest Islamic jurists that have ever lived. Each madhab, each school of thought, has its own criteria for the interpretation of hadith, which are sayings or traditions of the great Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And this gives rise to differences in interpretation of the same legal point. Muslims believe that all four schools of thought are correct and it is up to each individual as to which one he or she follows. So I, for example, follow the Hanafi school of thought, but uh, depending upon where you are at different parts of the world or what your background is, you may follow the, uh, the, uh, the Maliki, the Shafi or the Hanbali school of thought. For the purposes of this podcast and the information given in the podcast, I'll stick to the Hanafi school of thought. This was founded by the leading Islamic jurist, Imam Abu Hanifa and Nu'man, peace be upon him. And it's followed by an estimated one third of all Muslims worldwide. So moving back to talaq mughallada talaq mughallada or triple talaq, is initiated if the husband pronounces talaq, saying, I give you three talaqs, or saying, talaq, 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 in one sitting. It should be noted that this method of separation is actually forbidden. It's haram in Islam. But despite it being forbidden, it is still effective. And if a husband pronounces talaq this way, he is actually classed as being sinful. The impact of talaq in Mughallada is that it totally and irrevocably terminates the marriage with immediate effect with no chance of reconciliation. It's also effective if three separate talaqs are pronounced in the duration of three non-menstrual cycles, i.e. after each menstrual period. So if the husband pronounces one talaq in each menstrual cycle. And it leads to the immediate ending of the marriage, and as I mentioned before, no chance of reconciliation. You might ask where did this practice come from? So it stems from the nomadic culture of the Arabs at the time of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. This was a culture which was perceived and was actually very backwards. It was full of ignorance. Um, the Arabs used to marry in the morning and divorce in the evening. And they used to have hundreds of wives. Women's rights were not respected. It wasn't even an issue. And there was such ignorance. They used to, if they had such... Um, uh, cultural norms that if a daughter was born then they would go and bury their daughters because they were perceived as bad luck. Now Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him came into the, uh, came at this time and his task was to reform the Arabs of Arabia at that point. 
Muslims believe that this was undertaken by revelation of the holy book of Muslims, the Quran, and the practical real-life example of the Prophet Muhammad himself, peace be upon him. I mentioned earlier that this was, uh, 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 that talaq i was also the most misunderstood method of talaq. I say this because in my experience uh, as a solicitor specialising in Islamic family law, but also in my previous role uh, as a pro bono legal advisor to a Sharia council in the north of England, talaq i is still thought of as the only method of talaq which is wrong. It couldn't be further from the truth, but it gives rise to so many horrible and devastating consequences. One of my greatest mentors, uh, Sheikh Yaqub Qasmi, always gave the example, why fire three bullets when you can get the job done in one? Now, crude, crude as this example may seem, it sums up the situation precisely and succinctly. I've lost count of how many times I've had to explain this to clients. And the most saddening is when I'm approached by Muslim couples after an argument and the husband has pronounced and after listening to them and their uh, recollection of events, I have to give them the sad news that they are no longer man and wife and cannot reconcile. Now, this is a situation that can be avoided. This is why I'm doing these podcasts so that we have the correct knowledge. But as ever, if you are in, if you if you find yourself in this situation, then please don't take any rash actions until you've had a consultation with a suitably qualified scholar. Or if you can get in touch, please get in touch with me. So, to conclude this podcast, now that I've talked about the three different types of talaq, it's quite reasonable to ask. Is there a preferred method? Is there a more correct method? And the answer to that question is in the Quran. The Quran prescribes a method for Muslim men to give talaq, which is called talaq ahsan. Here, the husband divorces the wife once using clear words when she is in her non-menstrual period and also when he has not had sexual intercourse with her. This leaves room for the parties to reconcile but if they don't, then they'll be separated upon the expiration of the Idda. And you can see how this method of talaq takes the heat out of the situation. It provides time for everybody to consider what's happened. Uh, and if it is still felt that the marriage isn't going to subsist any longer, then the appropriate steps can be taken. To end, I'd like listeners to note my comments about the points, the jurisprudential points in this uh, podcast being only in relation to the Hanafi school of thought, uh, as I can imagine people coming up with in the comment section and coming back to me with different views on the different types of talaq. And on a final note, I'd like all listeners to consider the detail that Islamic jurisprudence places, or the emphasis Islamic jurisprudence places, on how the marriage is brought to an end and the continuing emphasis on reconciliation and how different types of separation affect the nature of reconciliation. Islam always has and will always continue to place great importance on the structure and stability of the family unit as a whole because it views 
It views the, a stable and strong family unit as a bedrock for a stable and strong society. So as always, if you've got any questions, uh, which these podcasts don't answer uh, or anything coming out of this podcast, feel free to get in touch. You can email me at sadiq.patel at gunnacook.com or just do a quick search on Google, on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram and drop me a message. Be well and I'll see you next time on the Faith in Family Law podcast. 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 Family Law podcast.